Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guest is Michael C. Bland, author of The Price of Safety, a sci-fi novel about a man who covers up his daughter's crime to save her life only for him to discover the society he helped create is a lie. The Price of Safety is a 2020 Indie Book Award finalist in both science fiction and thriller, and it is a wonderful read. During this episode, we're chatting all about the writing of it, from outlining the story, first draft, all of that good stuff that goes into writing, but then everything else that goes into putting a book out, from marketing to building a brand and focusing on future books, but I'll let Michael get into all of those details. If you'd like to get in touch with Good People, Cool Things, you can do so in a couple of different ways. Follow at GPCT Podcast on both Facebook and Twitter and give me a shout there, or shoot an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Promise I respond to every email. It might take me a day or two, but definitely love hearing from you. So give me a shout. Share a bad joke with me, because you know there's plenty of those on this podcast. For now, here's my conversation with Michael. I'm sure you've mastered this now after uh, <laughs> after months of getting to practice it, but what's the elevator pitch? We're going to the fifth floor, so you got five floors to, to impress us all. <laughs> all right, so the story, it's set in uh, the year 2047, and it's where the world is so interconnected and the technology is so advanced that no crime goes unsolved. You can't get away with anything. And in this world, the main character, his 19-year-old daughter, seems very innocent woman, uh, commits this crime that is punishable by death. So he forced to save his daughter. He covers it up to save her life. And that starts down this rabbit hole where he quickly discovers that nothing is as he thought it was. Boom. Doors open, I'm sold. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're right. I've, I've uh, said it once or twice. <laughs> I know. I feel like you really got to like almost time yourself and get it down to a science of absolutely. How can I, how can I explain this in, in a quick way? Um, yeah. I, th- I mean, I like, yeah. I'm thinking of 2047, which seems simultaneously very far off, but also kind of close. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there, was that just kind of a, was that your thinking with that? Or did you just like how 2047 looked on the page? What was the, the impetus for that year? Well, that's that's the goal. And it was to make it that it's far enough away that it's not right around the corner. And, oh, this is just, gee, something happened a couple of years from now. But it's also, it's attainable. I mean, that's 30 years from now. If, you know, so long as I don't get hit by a car or anything <laughs> like that, I should, you know, hit 2047. Um, and I'm sure, you know, most most of your listeners and, and yourself should hit it. So it'll be really fascinating in a way I can't wait to kind of see what that world's like. However, if it ends up like this torn the world in my book, maybe not. Um, so that's, uh, that, that was the, the reason behind it. Nice. Yeah, I think it's good to have it far enough away like that. I was, I was trying to think, I was just watching something where it was, I feel like the show was taking place in, you know, 2010, 2011, and they did a look in the future episode, but it was like 2016 or something. And they just had all these crazy uh, cliches, like the flying cars and like everyone's in matching suits and everything. And I was just like, this seems like a huge leap to be making in about five years. Right. Or just more like, you know, can your iPhone, you know, fold in half in five years? You know, that's, well, let's, let's stretch it out a little farther. 
I remember the first phone. My first smartphone was the uh, the Sprint Palm Pre. If you remember oh, wow. that one at all, it, it seemed like it was a pretty uh, not popular phone, but I liked it a lot. And it had one of those kind of rotating keyboards where you could flip it out oh, and yeah. make it super compact. And I was that blew my mind. And that was what ten years ago now. Like, oh, when you really start to think about, it, and that that's other the other reason with this is because okay, uh, okay, the, so the book starts is in thirty years from now, roughly. Well, then I went. Well, what was it like thirty years ago? I mean, thirty years ago, no one really had any kind of cell phone. If so, it was that brick, and only the the rich, snobby, you know, college kids had those kind of things. Um, you know, you you had was the Atari still? rolling there no i think it kind of died from there but gaming wasn't really much of anything the internet wasn't even in existence i think 30 years from now or just it was just starting to and where we've come in 30 years is light years different i think and then everything then speeds up too the amount of advancements we've had just in the last 10 years has been a big leap and it's going to continue to increase. And so that was also when I was working on the technology and the, what this world would really be like and how would people communicate and how would people um, interact and you know, work and live. You know, so those were all really um, in my mind as I was working on creating this book. Did you have a favorite uh, old piece of technology that you came across while you were doing your research? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, but I did like to sprinkle some quote unquote old stuff into the book. <laughs> you know, the, the main character, he has a silver sun pickups playing one, nice, in nice. one scene when he's in the office, you know, so that, and, and mentions that, you know, all his kids love this, uh, this kind of music that it would sound, it kind of sounds like Prince if Prince had really sucked kind of thing. So that kind of <laughs> gives you a vibe of what that music of that day might kind of sound like to a degree. Nice. I think that's a great way to kind of weave in some of the stuff from the past while still giving it that feeling of 30 years from now. And yeah, I can't even like just to think sometimes of like you were saying how far we've come in the last 10 years. Will the next 30 years be four times that or more more accurately, probably about 800 times that based on how it's been. But or, or will we hit a peak at some point of uh, you know, kind of plateau a little bit in terms of technological advancements. I don't know. That's all people smarter than me figuring that out. Right, right, exactly. And so, and I, de I definitely did not want to make this book about pure technology. I wanted it to be really at the heart of it is, and one thing that's really been, uh, that's meant a lot to me is uh, people responding to it. One of the biggest things that they responded to is the heart that's in the story. It revolves around the main character, Dre, and his and protecting his kids and his family. And that's what drives him in the heart in it and the characters in it. So while there's this technology and while there's this risk and, and the events that happen in the book, the heart is in it as well. Awesome. And I think that that kind of ties nicely into a question that I always like to ask, which is what's a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And you wrote down what drives this book, the science or the story. So which is it? It's it's the story. You could have the coolest technology in the world, but if your reader doesn't care about the characters, doesn't care what's happening, then technology is, is people are going to put the book down. 
everything at the end of the day is about story. Star Wars had some really great, fantastic stuff. And of course, to this day, I'd still love to have a lightsaber. But if the story <laughs> itself wasn't solid, and if the people involved, and you know, the, you know, the, the rogue, you know, you got you know, Han Solo, and you got the, the main characters, and Luke, the you know, stereotypical hero. And if you didn't have these great characters and events that happened, it would have not become Star Wars. It would have been something completely different. I'm... I also wish I had a lightsaber, but I agree. I right. think who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I get, I remember going to someone's house one time and they had one hanging up on the wall. Obviously, not a real one. At least right. I don't think so. But, <laughs> <laughs> but still, I was just like, man, that's cool. <laughs> right? Isn't it? Yeah. Still, still one. So going back to the writing process in general, and you can speak mm-hmm. to either the price of safety or the sequel. What is your writing process like? Are you, you know, write, do you map everything out meticulously? Do you uh, edit while you're writing, which I know some people swear by and other people are like, please don't do that. You'll never get anything done. (laughs) What's, what's your process like? I have to map it out. Um, I tried previously to, Hey, let's just write it and see what happens and end up being an absolute train wreck. Um, And on top of that was specifically with the price of safety. I wove in not only how the technology works that drives the story, but then what Dre discovers and as he discovers it, and it had to make sense. And one of the worst things that I hate as a reader is reading a story and then the writer, I don't know, gets lazy, realizes they wrote themselves into a corner and they take some leap that either is unearned or makes no sense. And i Sometimes I put down the book just because that ruins it for me. So I really wanted to make sure that never happened. And so I really wanted to, because also you, you lose the reader because then you break that imaginary world, right? Because of your laws, it doesn't work, doesn't fit. It doesn't, you lose that reader. So I really planned it out. In fact, I had to, and it was really depressing, but there was more than once where I had to kind of break apart my outline and redo it. Because some of the things I planned didn't work, some of the things it didn't make, didn't meet that, you know, the laws, the rules of the world that I created. So by the time I actually started to write the rough draft, I'd been working on the book for over a year. So, which was a little painful, but it worked out <laughs> because when I first of all, when I then wrote the actual rough draft, it only took about three months. Because I also had lived it, and I had tightened it, and I had you know, created everything. So when I'm writing, it's just now putting it on paper what now was completely fully formed in my head. And so then after that, I was just editing it. And that's what also with the sequel, um, I've started to write the sequel, and it, it, the outline for that one was well over a year before I started writing that one. Had you started the outline for that before? finishing the original or did you at least wait till that was done and then and then so yeah right so actually when i first planned the price of safety i didn't plan for it to be a there for there to be a sequel i planned just a standalone book and it does stand alone but it was as i was writing and as i was getting um started to fashion how i wanted the story to end and where i kind of wanted to go and you know the point of the story and all that stuff and i realized that it was just naturally a bigger story or it had a natural then what's the next step and the analogy that i use is like the matrix you know which is a fantastic movie and at the end after 
Keanu Reeves become, you know, Neo becomes the one, and then he has that call in the phone booth going, I don't know where this is going to go, but basically I'm here and deal with it. And so the my reaction to it was, oh, my God, well, what happens next? Well, for me, price of safety, that's what happened was, holy cow, well, now what happens? So I, I stayed with just the price of safety and focused on that, but with a couple ideas for the sequel, but then it wasn't until I was done with the first one before diving into the next, because then also you can start down a rabbit hole where, oh my goodness, let's start to create the second and third before you actually write anything. Well, then you're never creating the first book. So, <laughs> you know, focused on one at a time, you know, baby steps, right? You want to take one step at a dime before going on the next round. I think that's good uh, general life advice as well. Put, put <laughs> yeah, one I've learned that the hard way a couple times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, I great example with the Matrix, although I did just the the worst, the worst thing and, and never saw the first one uh, in theaters. And then when the second one came out, everyone was saying how great it was. So I went and saw the second one without having seen the first. And it was several years until I eventually saw the first one. And I was just like, okay, now I get it. But because like the second one, I was like, I mean, it was fine. But I think uh, right. not having that background certainly hurt. Yeah, that would definitely hurt. Yeah. Yeah, and that is one thing is writing the sequel is I'm needing to mention enough about what happened in the first so the reader either that you know, hasn't read the first book or hadn't read the first one a while go, wait a minute, who's that character? What happened? Why are they doing that? You know, so, it's, so that is a little bit of a challenge with the second one while also keeping the pace and, and the interest in that kind of thing. Can we get a, a little bit of scoop of the sequel or is that still under development and not able to to share anything <laughs> well i definitely know absolutely everything that happens in the sequel and i really actually really excited about it um so at the end of the first book where dre is and what happens he starts he starts a chain reaction and so the second one picks up to at first what seems like would be the natural next step from there but then everything starts to go wrong and in ways that I, I really hope are a surprise, but also make sense. Yeah, I think really that's a, a delicate balance to find in writing. And, and you were kind of talking about it before with when an author makes such a 90 degree turn that it's just like not believable and, and right. really just doesn't make sense. And I agree. I think... I think you uh, you have better willpower than me, I guess, to just put down the book and stop reading. I'm just at that point. It's usually towards the end of the book. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to just hate read the rest of this. And I'm sure I could could have saved myself many hours over the years. But uh, I, it is a, a rough balance to pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope I'm going to put a you know huge amount of work to try to make that, that happen. Um, I from the responses and, and everything in the success of the first book, I definitely think that, um, you know, I have a shot at doing it again with the sequel. And like I said, the things that I planned, you know, it's one of those as you're kind of coming up with ideas and where is this going to work? And when, at least for me, when I kind of go, Ooh, at my own idea, I'm like, okay, that's, that's a good sign. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. And kind of uh, moving back, I guess we're, we're kind of all over the, the map in the book yeah, well, writing not, process right? here, yeah. but this is, this is how the yeah. creative juices flow anyways. <laughs> right, exactly, uh, very true. As we're talking about, a, a lot of book, of, of writing a book is also the marketing mm -hmm. side of things. Yeah. And obviously a big component of that, despite 
I mean, I don't have that ma- that many uh, design skills, and I I don't believe you do either. But apologies if I'm subtly insulting you here. Um, but the book design is obviously a huge marketing uh, tool and just important for getting people interested in your book. So, can you kind of walk through your process for finding a designer or uh, putting a cover that's eye catching together? Well, what's interesting is. I really had no preconceived notion of what the cover should look like. Um, the only thing when I got my um, contract with my with my publisher, the initial the way it was kind of, was um, written was that they had the final say on the book cover. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I, I get final say. I mean, because you know the, the the old saying about book by its you know judging book by its cover. The cover of a book is so important, I think. And so they came up with a couple ideas. They weren't bad, so they weren't great. And I have a good friend who is a professional artist. Um, what she does for a living, she's absolutely fantastic. And she'd actually read the book too, which also helped. And so I hired her to help with the book cover. And we went through many different designs and, and trying to um, you know, brainstorm, trying to come up with different ideas and what would be really interesting and, and eye-catching and, and unique for this book. And definitely one thing that I wanted to do, uh, I told her from the beginning, is any if you show the character on the cover, don't show their face. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I see a book cover and that you see a character's face on there, well, now you've kind of taken away from me my ability to uh, imagine that person myself. So I agree. I, I hate when... <laughs> The only time right? I like that is on the Animorphs covers going way back. And I've never actually read any of those books. I just love the covers <laughs> of the person transitioning into the animal. It's, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, was exactly. <laughs> wow, that, that was cool. I, I forgot about those. Um, but so, so I definitely wanted to make sure that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that because that, that, to me, almost like it's I'm cheating the, the reader. You know, if you're if you're taking the time to read the book, I definitely don't want to take that away from you. So again, as we're so we're going through different ideas, and then you know, this is a very action-packed book. There's, you know, but also there's that human element and that the heart, of the characters. So what ended up transforming into is the cover is from one of the scenes in the book, one of the action-packed scenes, and it actually ended up. I think working out very, very well. I've been extremely pleased with it. And it gives a real feel for what the book is, is there's this coming threat and reaching for his, you know, Dre's reaching for his daughter, trying to help save her. And that goes to the heart of the book. Yeah. I think it does a a great job of encapsulating things. And again, just fantastic job, not showing the face, but still conveying a lot. (laughs) Thank you. I've already now with uh, the idea of what's going to happen in the sequel. I'm like, oh man, what, what cover am I going to do there? But I think it's going to be something along the same lines. Again, in shadow, uh, a hint with what's happening. I think that, I, like I said, I'm very pleased with how the first one came, uh, turned out. So probably going to do the same thing. Call my, my friend again to say, guess what? Not number two. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to give her a plug if other people need book designs or, or will that eat up uh, her, uh, her time um, for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, her name is Dorothy Mason. She's absolutely fantastic. Um, she's also, like I said, a professional artist and, and sells her artwork as well. It's fantastic. But you know, she was incredible. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm yeah. uh, thinking of... Uh, this is again another way, like way obscure blast from the past, but the old Nintendo Power magazines of uh, oh wow, where each 
each uh, issue on the spine would have a little piece of a character. So there was like Mario one year, Donkey Kong one year. And then when you had the whole year together, you'd have the little design. And I'm wondering if there's, if that can translate to like a book series of you kind of, if you had the books, I mean, this would probably be for a longer series, but if you had them all lined up (laughs) together, if they'd form some kind of continuous image or something, but. That could be really cool. Well, and you know that, you know, books over time, they'll change colors, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, Harry Potter series, those change covers. And Stephen King, he's had different covers for his books and those kinds of things. I'd be, I'd be down with that. Yeah, that could be like the collector's I mean, I, edition, charge $80 more. Make right? a nice little profit well, for now, you, it's great. <laughs> I like that. Hey, I'll definitely write that down. Well, and what's interesting is, okay, so right now I, I have this book as a trilogy. That's That's the plan with it. I started having some ideas on how it could become more than just a trilogy, but we'll see. And I definitely don't want to force it. If it doesn't work, then I'm absolutely not going to. But if it does, then this could end up being more than just a trilogy. Well, what to see as first I've kind of admitted that out loud, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Excellent. So we did get the scoop. I like it. There could mm-hmm. be more than three. <laughs> yes, possibly. But again, only if it makes sense. Does four books have a name like a trilogy? Is it a quad quadlogy? That sounds right. Awkward. It sounds very awkward. Yeah, yeah. Um, then it just I think after a trilogy, I think it just falls into series. I mean, at that point, they just go, okay, fine. You, you screwed with our cool little trilogy thing. We're just gonna. It's just a series. We're, we're not gonna give you a cool name. You're just now a series. That's it. <laughs> but I guess you're getting the last laugh because you've had at least four books out. So. It's not too bad. Exactly, that's true. Yeah, if I'm yeah, so I'm able to uh, have con- people continue to purchase, you know, and enjoy the books, then that's that's all that matters. And I am sure uh, we'll we'll try not to get too down a path of you know what's going on in the world right now. Um, but mm-hmm. obviously, the coronavirus pandemic probably impacted your marketing strategies a little bit. So, can you kind of share what? your game plan had been around uh, promoting the price of safety and then some of the steps you've kind of taken to shift to a all virtual all the time sort of world. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of it was going to be with book signings and going to bookstores and talking to multiple bookstores. A couple of course included some alcohol with, you know, the book readings, which I'm all for, um, <laughs> you know, any, any story gets better after a couple of beers. Right. Um, but was that's that was going to be uh, one of the big areas of focus was going to be um, with bookstores, not only um, you know, in, in a number of different cities, um, also going to be some uh, marketing in terms of distributing bookmarks to area bookstores, putting flyers up in various stores, all those things. Well, if you don't have anybody in stores, that doesn't matter. Um, one other thing that I was um, that I had had set up was going to be the Los Angeles Book Festival in mid-April. If you're familiar with that, it's the largest in the country. Yeah. Actually, like 150,000 people go. And of course, that got um, moved and bookstores closed and and everything else. So a lot of the things that we had had planned obviously didn't come to pass. So we've, like you said, we've had to pivot to more online stuff. Um, between and one thing I've been I've been very uh, fortunate to get a, a large number of reviews that have been very positive. Um, been done. I've been doing some online marketing, um, Facebook 
ads, that kind of thing, because um, of course everyone's on Facebook. Um, in, in addition, a um, couple other interviews kind of thing. Um, I was very fortunate and very proud of winning, I uh, was being uh, named a finalist by the Indie Book Awards um, in not one but two categories for both science fiction and thriller, which was very yeah yeah I mean, congratulations awesome thank you and for honestly a first time author and first time uh published that's i was actually pretty stunned to be honest <laughs> um but you know very very proud of that um so it's been doing a lot more of online marketing and doing uh, a couple of interviews on pages and uh, also i've i've been writing a blog um mcblend.com if anybody is interested i um, have a number of blog entries there if you're you know want a little more a little amusement and some of the things and that kind of stuff that i have so uh, i've been doing that and you know so it's not as good as being able to be face to face with people but that's the world we are in right now yeah, absolutely. And I, I can vouch uh, based off your book pod newsletters that you've shared with us that <laughs> your writing, your writing style is very entertaining, I, <laughs> which I, I admittedly have not looked at your blog, but the, uh, if, no, if no the style is like, is similar to that, then uh, I would, I would highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And yes, it, it is similar. My, my obnoxious uh, humor definitely comes out. Um, I will say that Price of Safety doesn't have the the humor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little element of here and there, but just you know the, the story and the the world and everything else. It doesn't you know it didn't really fit. So I, I just have it's more of the it came out on the blog. Yeah, and I think that's always fun to see. Like blogs should kind of be an escape from. Uh, from everything else you know it's kind of a more personal sort of behind the curtain type of feel at least the ones that i enjoy um or mm-hmm. are providing like tremendously helpful resources but those are usually <laughs> different target audiences for those, those oh yeah and different tone absolutely yeah. yeah yeah you know the other thing talking just about the uh, climate in the world that we're in right now is the the tracking of you know via cell phones and and people how they're starting to implement uh the software to track where people are and how they interact with others to track um virus you know uh, the spread of the virus um and one thing that's really interesting if you heard about uh, what happened in south korea this was three four weeks ago about the nightclub i actually don't think i heard about that no Uh, so from um from what i read there was and south korea was opening back up again um there went there was a nightclub and there were 1500 people in there and one of the attendees was covid 19 positive and over the course of three weeks that the south korean government locked down 45 people that directly and indirectly as a result had been exposed and they shut down the spread and they did it all because of technology and you know as the writer of the price of safety and some of the things that i have in here and i'm going is that the preclude to (laughs) the world that i created there's definitely some similarities and some like that could be the grandfather of some of the things that happen in my book they're using the future and in a way it's a little eerie that there's definitely you could see a connection from one to the other. Yeah, that's crazy. 
It really, really kind of <laughs> is. And not something I planned, but wow. Okay. That's, that's fascinating. I think. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so interesting to see how really just outside the United States, how people um, or how different countries have been handling everything. And even within the U S how different States are. I know I'm always chatting with folks about, Obviously, my parents living in Illinois, seeing how what's going on in there, friends across the country. Uh, and in Texas, it's interesting to see uh, Austin appears to be taking everything very seriously and routinely are issuing, uh, you know, strict guideline recommendations of, hey, even though these things are reopening, maybe not a good mm-hmm. idea to be to be face to face with like 800 people in a small room, like still maybe maybe hold right. off yeah, on it but texas is just right. overriding everything <laughs> like the <laughs> state is just like actually you can't enforce that because texas says it's okay so it has to be strong recommendations instead of actual guidelines <laughs> yeah guidelines guidelines you know you tell me yes or no i'm gonna do my own thing yeah <laughs> that's the that's the <laughs> texas way <laughs> <laughs> hey i i briefly lived in in dallas i i did see I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, and it's uh, tough. I mean, that's it's an adventure. Yeah, <laughs> one thing about yeah, one thing about this country is you know we we are very headstrong and and we are we love our freedom, and it's it's going to be tough to see how this plays out because we want to make sure that you know we're being smart and protecting those who need to be protected. You know, a bunch of you know college kids they want to grab a keg and party it up okay they're it's their choice but then if they then go see their grandparents who are very susceptible it's like just gotta think things through that's the only thing yeah which sometimes is not always the case uh for people no. but uh in in slightly uh brighter news i guess um yeah I think one of the the things that a lot of people are finding challenging, uh, whether they are writing a book or not, is uh, kind of keeping up with a routine in the the current remote sort of setting that we have. I know sometimes there's days where I'll be working later into the evening, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, it's already 8.30, and I've uh, <laughs> totally skipped dinner or something like that. And I think there is kind of, it is kind of difficult to have uh, more obvious routines and boundaries um when working so have you found any Mm -hmm. uh sort of tools or strategies or anything that have helped you be productive and focusing on what you need to be working on well what i've in the past before the pre-virus um (laughs) i used to be able to between the you know i could in the same day i could work on the book for a period of time i could work on other work for a period of time, I could do that kind of thing. And kind of like what you're saying is how it seems to bleed through. And there's, it, it's harder to find that stopping point and then the starting point. Um, so what I've really found is almost, okay, right off the day. Okay, that day I'm gonna go ahead and maybe do a little extra work or do some of the other things I need to get done that would have been a distraction otherwise. And then the next day, I'm just going to focus on writing, doing it that way, because my it gets to a point because it's harder to have that separation, that differentiation that I've personally and I know different, everyone's different. But for myself, I've learned that, OK, at this point, 
until things kind of go back to a, a previous level of normalcy, if and when we get there, um, I'm going to basically just take a day for writing. And that's going to be what I'm doing that day. And then another day, do other things. I like that. Yeah. I have a good focus. Have you, uh, have you had to develop a home office of sorts, kind of a more of a makeshift one? Or did you already have a, a nice setup going before everything? Oh, I, I already had a nice setup going before. Oh. I, I've got it all set up and, and uh, with... <laughs> I have to admit, with uh, some Star Wars characters, little figurines and stuff around, and uh, I have some. Um, I've got a little uh, baby Yoda that was painted, and <laughs> I've got you know. So I've got my my nook, my area, and I'm able to close close the door, focus on that, and uh, which has been key. And this is where I wrote Price of Safety, and so it's where I'm working the sequel. And so I'm I'm fortunate enough to have my own space that I can dive in and, and be creative. Yeah, I think that is such a key thing in, in getting things done is if you're, you know, if you're trying to set up shop in a bedroom or something or, you know, in the kitchen, uh, it's, that's not really the design focus area for working. So um, aside from, yes. you know, if when you're doing your master chef impersonations, of course, <laughs> then right. the kitchen is all yeah. about working. <laughs> Right. Well, it depends on whatever and whatever space where you have that comfort that you can let the juices flow to a degree. Um, and I've in in the past I've had it where I've had you know the computer on the the dining room table and and trying to work there and just it doesn't work as as much. That's why I say I'm I'm fortunate to have this separate space because I know that not everybody does and and I hadn't in the past and so to be able to have that um, has really helped elevate at least in my mind and I could be wrong, but at least <laughs> elevate the, the right, the writing and the creativity and the, you know, to be able to dive in when I do have that time to do that. Cause unfortunately like every, everybody, there are other distractions and, and pulls and requirements of, of life that pull you in and, you know, you have to, you know, mow the grass, show the driveway, take care of the, the, the dog, do you know those kinds of things as well and spend time with your loved one and do other things that do take away from, writing but if all you do is write or at least for me all if all i do is write then it's going to take away from the say characterization and, and having characters that love and feel and interact with each other if you're not doing that yourself it's harder to get that you know i guess realism or you know that that extra touch that sometimes can elevate that story yeah that's a really good point too because i i think it can be easy to fall into that trap of oh i need to write a certain amount every day or, you know, I need to spend X amount of time writing, but unless your book is about being stuck in solitary confinement, I think you're probably going to lose a lot of that human element. And I know just from a dialogue perspective, that can be very difficult for people to write. And so much of that comes from real world experience. I know a lot of dialogue I've used in writing is almost verbatim from conversations I've had, uh, maybe, you know, shifted a little bit to be a little less vulgar, more from the other person than me. I like to keep my conversation pretty clean. But... <laughs> Try, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Trying our best out here. Well, Michael, you're almost off the hook, but as you, <laughs> as you know, being a former guest of uh, a podcast of mine, I always like to end with a top three. And I, sure. uh, for this one, I'd love to hear your top three inspirations for the price of safety. 
Mm, okay. Um, number one would be uh, the the book 1984. Um, they're definitely the kind of underlying vibe of you know this this state that is at least overseen and watching and Big Brother and and that element, which I do think that they're depending on what happens with technology and how much we as a society keep track of and be aware of and resist or push back against um, the, the technology, it could just, as the progression of the way things are going right now, we could end up with not necessarily that totalitarian, I can't speak, that kind of state, authoritarian state where everyone is, your everything is dictated and what you wear, you know, that, not talking that level, but definitely the vibe with it was definitely a, um, was an influence definitely wanted to kind of have an element of, you know, if the, your country's kind of taking on this different tone, this different attitude than what you'd expected and what kind, how would you act and react in that kind of world? Um, uh, second influence is minority report. Um, of course you have a element of the, the technology and the advancements and, and that kind of world. Um, so that was definitely an influence with, the world that I'm in and you know, we, we don't have the cars that go sideways down the highway in, in the book or anything like that, but you do have technological advances and, and again, how people are acting and reacting in that world. Um, and then I would say the third um, influence was, uh, was the writer, Michael Crichton. Loved him. Um, his ability to take stories, take something that's fantastical or, or something that wasn't really known um, prey with um, the with drones. You know, that was really the first time and, you know, my small robotics and how they interact together, you know, that was something new. You know, the, of course, Jurassic Park, you know, which everyone knows, um, Andromeda Strain and, and how a, ironically, you know, potential lethal virus and how we'd react. And so it's this technology, but then how the characters acted and reacted with it. Um, and I think <clears throat> usually the, the story Westworld, that's also an element of technology and what if things go wrong and how would you act or act survive in that kind of world? Nice. All, all fantastic inspirations. Well done. So if people want to find you online, if they want to uh, learn learn more about you, read your musings. I give you tips for, for future books that they things they want to see. Where can they find you? Absolutely. MCBland.com. Um, you can sign up for the newsletter. Um, and you don't have to, obviously, but completely, absolutely, totally up to you. Um, but and there's info about myself, about Price of Safety. You can read about when I pitched uh, another story to Columbia Pictures, and that was a really fun fun event um as well as um you know some of my other influences and that kind of thing fantastic well michael thank you again for for making a repeat appearance first time on good people cool things but not first time in our hearts absolutely hey joey thank you so much for having me on this has been great absolutely and of course we got to end with a corny joke as i'm sure you uh, <laughs> you might remember from last time as well yeah, that's right uh what do you get when you cross a writer with a deadline a really clean house. After <laughs> <Yeah>, tonight, <laughs> people. That was great. 